Welcome to the Life in the Stocks podcast, ladies and gentlemen. My name's Matt Stocks. I'm the host, and the show features unedited, in-depth, candid conversations with a wide range of musicians, actors, comedians, and creatives. If you're not already, be sure to subscribe to Life in the Stocks on your favorite podcast platform. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and indeed all major podcast platforms. Be sure to give me a follow on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok as well, at MattStocksDJ. That way you can keep up to date with all of my live Q&A dates, my DJ performances, and of course, who's coming up on the show as well. But without further ado, let's crack on with the show, shall we? Here we go. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile unlimited premium wireless. Ready to get 30 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20 20, 20 ready to get 20 20, ready to get 15 15 15 15 just 15 bucks a month. So, give it a try at mintmobile.com/switch. $45 up front for 3 months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The roof, the roof, the roof is on fire. We don't need no water, let the motherfucker burn. Burn, motherfucker, burn! So before we talk about uh-huh. you and your life. And my boring life right now. Can you tell, no way is it boring. Can <laughs> you tell us about this amazing apartment building that we're in? Don't obviously say where, I don't want to blow up your spot. But Are you recording this? Yeah, we're on. This oh, is shit. It. I just go straight in, there's no warning. Bang. Okay, <laughs> bang. Do, um, you, do you edit this? No, not really. Just oh, from the get-go, <laughs> l- let it roll. It's going to be great. Right, I like transparency to, and honesty. And Do I have to get this closer? Um, see where like I this? am? That's, oh, that's okay, kind of so we're fun. good. So this you're is good. Right there. Yeah, it's, it's like perfecto. holding an ice cream cone. <laughs> exactly, and you're not as tasty. <laughs> so this building is like old school Hollywood. Yeah. And there's, I imagine, some pretty, you know, mm-hmm. epic, iconic previous residents that have lived and sort of hung out Yeah. in these, uh, these corridors. Yeah. Such as who? Do you, Such... do, you, do you know any of the... <laughs> past guests not personally no because no, uh, they're long dead yeah but uh man ray is is one of them i i guess frank sinatra and uh uh alfred hitchcock that's and amazing apparently also if you want to get dark and and I scary do. well here's one thing i've never done and i was reading a book in a bookstore down on hollywood boulevard earlier about the dark side of hollywood mm-hmm. and you can obviously do tours can't you where they tell you about the scandals and the murders yeah. and so you're going to tell me something like that? Kind of. Okay. I mean, you know, this apparently this was the last place uh, where 
what was her name? Elizabeth something, the, the Black Dahlia. You know, the Black right. Dahlia yeah, yeah, murder? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that girl. She was seen here. This was the last place where she was seen before she was found dead. I've already got building. chills. I've got chills <laughs> on my arms. Look, my arm hairs have actually gone up. You know, I had to move into something kind of Yeah, gothic. And, <laughs> and gothic. the room, without giving too much away, because I'm obviously in Nadia's bedroom right now, you could say. Um, and you shall never leave. And she's locked the door. <laughs> and Twice. Um, it's beautiful. I mean, you've got a very, it's very you. Yeah. You've done it, yeah. You've done it out in a really kind of nice, classy way. I love oh, the mirrors. I love this guy. Yeah. I, he's actually <laughs> Where'd you near, get him? He actually, um, he came from a friend that had passed. <laughs> I, I'm sorry, I should not be laughing about it, but since we're talking about <laughs> yeah, Black yeah, Dahlia yeah. and like Since death. we're on the subject of the macabre. Oh, that was my phone. Yeah, um, it's from a friend that had passed, and that's just kind of, I, I got that um, long Is horn that a phone? skull. Yeah, yeah, I can turn it off. It's uh, it's probably this one friend that keeps texting five in well, a row. I well, always uh, tell her to consolidate the text messages. I do that, though. Annoying. I do that because my brain moves really fast. And rather than just writing one big long chunk, I do go. Dip, dip, yeah. Dip. Should I just turn it off? Yeah, why not? Just All to right, be well, sure. then you just hold the sure. ice I'll hold on to that. Here. I thought it was a bird. Because <laughs> you got yeah, the windows open. I thought you just had like a renegade bird fly in. Um, so yeah, yeah so, there's all kinds of history, from Hollywood glam to yeah, macabre to like murder mystery, darkness. And I mean, some people say that this building is haunted, and I'm sure, considering how old it is, there's some stuff going on. Like um, the apartment manager that sits in the lobby downstairs, he has cameras going on, and um, he said, um, you know, some stuff has been moving, and he saw it later on camera, and. Blah, blah, blah. I mean, I've never really... Well, I had one thing in, in this particular room. I've never had any ago. ghost kind of encounter. Yeah. How was it? Um, You know, it kind of freaked me out because I have this mannequin in the kitchen over there and I used to have a top hat right. on it. And one time I went in the kitchen and the top hat like slowly was kind of dragged down the body of the mannequin and then fell on the floor. And I was like, oh, that was kind of awkward, you know? And I used to have a painting next to the bed there. And then when I turned around, well, the painting's gone now. The painting fell down. And it's been there for years. It never fell, right? And so I was like, all right, that's weird. So I put the painting back up in the mi and tugged on it. And the minute I turned around, it fell again. And I'm like, really? And I put it up again, tugged on it, turned around, Whoa. fell again. I'm like, well, obviously it doesn't want to hang tonight. So that kind of freaked me out. Is that why you removed it? Yeah. Yeah. That too. You had to respect the spirit's wishes. <laughs> I Obviously did. not an art fan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the spirit didn't didn't like that painting apparently. That particular one. So far no problems with the skulls. Or the naked, is that a lady? Yeah, well yes. that's a that's a Dean Carr oh, uh, is photo it? actually. Is it really? And that was uh from the series of uh Perfect Circle. Yeah, yeah. You know how he yeah. did the cover of, of one of their records? I believe it was their second album. Murder Nom, is that or is that the first? Yeah, this one with like a, a yellow worm yeah, 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 on the yeah, lady's yeah. face. With the song Outsider on right, it. Right, yeah. yeah, that's her. So that's part of that series. Wow. And he gave me this painting for my 30th birthday. Oh, cool. Yeah. So that's why it's hanging there. So The yeah. first time I met you, actually, that's the perfect segue. The first time I met you was March 2013. 
Really? At Dean's birthday party. <laughs> yeah. Because I was in he town. He hasn't invited me since, fucker. Has he not? <laughs> no. I wasn't invited that night. Constance just invited me along, and that's how we first met, was yeah. at Dean's party. And then the last time I was in LA was 2015. Yeah. And I think that was his 50th. Yeah. And I was at that as well. And, was um, I there? I don't think you were there. No. Yeah, it, see, that, he didn't invite me. That was, it was at the bar downstairs. That, From here? Yeah, that was the only time I've been oh, in there. Oh, maybe I was not... You weren't around. Town. You weren't around. I think you were away, maybe on tour. Because oh, yeah. I, I didn't see you on that trip here. I actually was on tour yeah, 2015. Yeah. That's, yeah. Yeah. Because his birthday is like, I believe it's like February or something. And yeah, it's, that's well, it's when March because it's always around my birthday. Because yeah. the two times I've been out before has been for my birthday. Yeah. And both times I've, in fact, that last time I was out here for his birthday, that was actually my day of my birthday. Right. Okay. March 11th. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, I'll take it back. He, he probably did invite me. I just wasn't yeah. here. Because I remember Dean. saying I was at this cool <laughs> bar on this street and you're like, that's where I live. Yeah. Yeah. I live right next to a bar. And I you don't ever go to. And you work in the greatest bar, but we'll talk about that in a bit. So I want to know, uh, I want to know about your childhood and upbringing. Did you grow uh-huh. up in Germany? Or for did you, four years. For four. Okay. Yeah. And then you moved, your mum moved out here when you were four. No, no. Then I moved to Holland. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's start with Germany. So you're born mm-hmm. there and you're there till you're four. Any mm-hmm. memories of Germany? Yeah. I mean, you know, I was born there. I went to uh, one year kindergarten, I guess. And then I moved to Holland when I was between four and five. Went to one year kindergarten there, I believe. And uh, I mean, my grandmother and that part of my family is still in Germany. So I would still always go on the weekends and visit. And so, you know, I was kind of going back and forth between Holland and Germany. But, you know. Are both your parents German? uh, Yes. Yep. Yeah, they're both German uh, and Polish. My mom is Polish and German. My dad's German, and uh, when my mom remarried, my stepdad was Dutch, which is why we moved to Holland. Got it. So, um, and that's where I lived for 14 years in Holland, and that's where I did all of my schooling. Amsterdam? No, in Venlo. You wish, right? Venlo. Venlo. I've never been there. What's that like? Is it rural? It's a smaller city. Well, smaller than Amsterdam. I mean, it's in the south, you know, Limburg. It's uh, closer to Eindhoven, Maastricht. Closer to the German border, actually. You know, and um, yeah, small, like mid-sized town. And um, and Dutch culture for you as a kid growing up and absorbing it, did it rub off on you? What did you notice about Dutch people that makes them stand out? What I've noticed, and I've only been to Amsterdam, but in my times there is super liberal. Uh-huh. And they seem really just like relaxed, easygoing, quite yeah. friendly. Totally. It must have been quite a nice country to be yeah. like a young kid in growing up. Yeah, I mean, I love the Dutch, you know. I think Dutch are great people. I love the Germans too. I'm, I have a Dutch passport, you know. Like growing up in Holland, I mean, I don't have any Dutch blood per se, but you know, it's I, in your heart. I spend yeah all my childhood there, you know. So I do feel partially Dutch, I suppose, you know. A little bit Dutch, a little bit German. Yeah, I mean, I have three passports, so I feel nice. all three countries. I feel German, Dutch, and American. Love you it. know. Um, are they the same picture in all three? No, <laughs> well, almost very close because yeah. I think I renewed them all around the same time last year. <laughs> Love it. You got to get them out later. Yeah. So, what brings your mum out to? Is it Los Angeles she moves to when she comes to the states? Is that the first port of call? Yeah, yeah. Like we moved straight from Holland. Well, you know, when I stayed in Holland, I've, I whatever I finished my high school and I I went to art academy for six months, and then uh, we moved here when I was eighteen. You know, my mom got married here. You know, so there you go. To an American? Yeah. Yeah. So is that third husband? Yeah. yeah. Wow. 
<laughs> <laughs> so if you're 18 and you're from Europe and then you move to Los Angeles, mm -hmm. what's that culture shock like? Was it a culture shock? No, not at all. I've been wanting to come here since I was probably 14 years old. You know, when I was a teenager, I was a, a big Guns N' Roses fan uh -huh. at the time when Appetite for Destruction came out. So I always wanted to go to the Rainbow and, you know, do that whole Sunset Strip thing. So you were a rock and roller from an early age. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like my, my parents are rock and roll. So it's always been like that, you know. Um, yeah, so I always wanted to come here. So for me, it was a dream come true. And yeah. so what year did you what year are you 18 and move into the states what year was it Um I moved here a little prior to me being 18 I think I moved here like 17 and a half or something you know I think we moved here like 93 94 something like that so I just missed like the right at the, the end height of the sunset of the hair metal strip days stuff. which is fine because you know Guns N' Roses is really the only hair metal band that I liked you know <laughs> So what else was your you know in your record collection if it wasn't Oh Jesus back then it was it was, you know, Faith No More. Okay, that's like um, the Golden Age alternative. You know, rock. all the alternative yeah. um, Seattle stuff, Alice in Chains. You know, and I was always into, you know, like older rock stuff or punk stuff, like the Stooges and stuff like that. You know, I grew up on the Stooges and the Stones and all that good stuff. The good shit. Yeah, yeah. All right, well, you met my mom. She's yeah. like proper rock and roll lady she's amazing you know <laughs> so it was her first gig over here running jumbos how long has she been doing that no she's been doing that for a long time but that wasn't the first gig i mean we you know when we first came here we did just all kinds of stuff just to survive you know yeah and so was it like was money tight oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. we came over here with one suitcase that was it really yeah just the two of you in one suitcase no, well, two suitcases, <laughs> one each. <laughs> one each. <laughs> and where was your first place? Do you remember where your first like apartment yep. was? My first apartment was on Edinburgh or Edinburgh, however you pronounce it. I don't even know. It's by Melrose. Yeah. And Fairfax area. Yeah, I lived there in a in a little house with another Dutch friend of ours from Maastricht. And uh, yeah, it was fun. I mean, LA was way more rock and roll than than it is now. I still love it, but back then it was just so many bars and clubs and bands and, you know, and it was new, so it was it was nice to discover all that. Were you going into bars and clubs? Could you get into bars and clubs? Well, back then I had a fake ID, you know, so. And back in those days, the basic fake ID would get you through the door, wouldn't it? Now yeah. it's kind of passport, a driver's license, and that's it. Yeah. I remember my friend Josh, when we were at school, he, he had like a youth club membership card with no photo that he'd just written on in biro his name and then in brackets 18 and over uh -huh. and that would work in supermarkets and bars and everywhere so he'd get yeah. all the booze for everyone yeah good but times see i remember i grew up in europe so i started going out when i was 14 you know my mom started taking me to clubs and pubs and whatever not and then eventually when i was about 15 16 i started going out by myself you know without having you know my mom around adult or, supervision. Or, or, yeah, yeah adult yeah. supervision so then i came here at you know almost 18 and i'm like what i gotta wait till i'm 21 to go out i've already Fuck been that. going out for years <laughs> yeah. you know from 14 to 18 so and then i was like oh that's fucking lame you know and then you know here in california everything closes at two in the morning so you go out early in europe you know we didn't do that back then like nobody goes Just out before midnight a.m isn't it yeah yeah exactly so I was like, oh, it's kind of weird, you know, and now I have to wait for, 
for three years. <laughs> so I um. Not so you too, did not wait. No, no, no. I still. I mean, I, I got my my fake ID, and they weren't like that on top of it in those days. You know, especially at the Rainbow, they would let me in. It's like whatever, you know. And it's not like I was a drinker. It's all about selling alcohol to minors. That's really the issue. But yeah. So you weren't going there to get drunk. You were re- no. really just there for the music and to see bands and yeah, just experience to go out. the yeah. culture. Of- I like alcohol a lot more now than I did back in those days. Really? Even though I'm I'm not that much of a drinker still you know so tell me about some of those early shows do any spring to mind that were really special i don't know i mean i saw so many bands back then i don't even know what half of them it was just the whole vibe it was like a lot more going on in the coconut teaser english acid you know i don't even remember what Raji's was another place back in the day even bortner's was cool then and, sorry uh, there was a bar called english acid yeah wow. yeah it's now called <laughs> it's now called Delilah, I believe. It's on uh, Sunset and Fairfax. Okay. Um, it's now like kind of like one of those newer Hollywood bars where everything is posh and made with a theme and, mm-hmm. you know, mixology and stuff. And yeah, yeah. Back then it was more grungy. Dive you bars. Know? Yeah. There's not that many dive bars left now, is there? Nope. I was in the fl- uh, bleh, frolic room yeah, last that's, night. That's, and that's one that's of like, the few. That's like the last one standing, it seems. Yeah. True. Frolic Room and uh, even, um, what else, Jones is, it's not really a dive bar. It's more like a restaurant with a with a bar, but that's one of the old places too that's still cool to go to. Yeah, yeah, it's not that many. It's a few downtown. Back then there was so many, you know, and it, it was always great. You would always Could you just walk down the road? Was everybody just hanging out in the streets as well from the documentaries I've seen? It seems like the streets yeah. themselves were like, just a gathering space as well. Especially on Sunset, the Sunset Strip around the Rainbow and then the Roxy and, you know, the whiskey and all that stuff. And, you know, lots of cars. And now it's like dead, you know. You go there, there's nothing going on on the weekends. It used to be packed. Even Hollywood Boulevard used to be packed. And now it's a, a lot of people are walking, but it's all kind of hip-hop and, and dance clubs, you know. Not that many rock and roll places. Or tourists, I guess, or as tourists, well, yeah. yeah. Was it touristy then? Yeah, but Hollywood Boulevard used to be a lot more, like, shady and, and scary, and now it's cleaned up a lot, you know? Now we have big hotels, and it's just a gentrification of Hollywood. And the world, I think. I think everywhere you go, it's the same in London. It's yeah. the same in New it's York, boring. I imagine. I don't like it at all. I mean, I, you look, there's good and bad that comes with everything, and there's, of course, good that comes with this, too. But in general, it's like, okay, you know, the traffic is worse. The people aren't more exciting. There's <laughs> definitely less shows. And there's still a big homeless problem. So it's not like oh, it's, the money yeah. that's coming into the area is helping that, you know, the areas where people yeah. need help the most. No, the homeless problem in Hollywood is really bad. I'm, I'm sure you've seen it like this tents everywhere. I don't remember it being like this. I mean, there's always been homeless people, but now it's just like colonies. It's like yeah. Skid Row in the middle of Hollywood. It's crazy. You know, and it's really sad that nobody's doing anything about it and helping them. And the rents are ridiculous, you know. I've been here so long that I remember all these buildings from back in the day and the rents, what they were charging. And they're charging pretty much triple the price i was gonna say what would it be about double literally i would say triple and in what 20 years yeah yeah and but the funny part is it's not like they fixed the buildings it's still the same shit they probably haven't even painted it since the 20 years 20 years that have gone by you know 
So it's it's not like they're upgrading the buildings, and it's kind of shitty that they're asking all these prices for, like, really crap apartment buildings. Yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah, it's mad, and I took about an hour to get from the airport into the center of LA when I got off the flight yeah. last night. Yeah. The guy was like, yeah, it's going to be about an hour. I was like, an hour? Well, that's probably you came in at a bad time. Yeah, right? I came in at half 5 p.m. Yeah, so, that's the worst bang. time. Bang. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, usually LAX, like 40 minutes. Okay. You know. And for me, like the draw of this place, I mean, obviously the history of it is so rich, whether it's music or film or mm. just art in general. But it's just, it's such a kaleidoscope of characters and I don't know, there's, I feel magic here. Is that yeah. what's kept you here all this time? Yeah. No, I, I feel the same way. I mean, I basically, when I first landed here, I fell in love. It's just the smell of the city. Not necessarily a great smell, but <laughs> it did something to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's just the whole energy of it. And it's, but it's also, it's not for everybody. A lot of people come to LA and they absolutely hate it, you know? And well, it's not a relaxing place, is it? I wouldn't no. say you could come here and, you know, have some space and just chill. I mean, you could maybe do those things, but I feel like you have to be ready for all the kind of turbulent, chaotic frenziness that is, is around every corner. And yeah. that, for me, is the draw and the excitement of yeah. it. Is. Yeah, I mean... Because it's full on, isn't it? Total, yeah, it is full on, but it really depends on you. There's so many things you can do here and, and so many different scenes and, and and things you can check out. It's really entirely up to you, you know? You could completely engage in one particular scene and then maybe you get tired of it and then you can hang out with completely different people and it's a total different lifestyle, you know? You can find everything here, and that's the beauty of it. It all depends on you, what you're looking for. But whatever you're looking for, you can find it. Yeah, I like that. You know, I yeah. like that too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever you're looking for, it's here. It's In here. abundance. Yeah, yeah. Good and bad and everything in between. Totally. You have the beach, you have the mountains, you can drive up to Big Bear, you can get snow. It's all here, you know. I still love LA, and I always will. It's my home, you know. I feel really at home here, but... You know, sometimes I get tired of the necessarily, you know, the traffic, especially in Hollywood. Hollywood gets a little overwhelming after a while. But well, then I've, again, you know, then I go to places like the other day. I went to Newport Beach. Like, I could never live there. You know, the valley. Oh, my God. No way. You know, so. Because of the traffic or just because it's not necessarily you? Yeah, it's just the vibe there is to me different. And, you know, it's just a bit too normal. Yeah. I guess I need the craziness. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you're right in the heart of Hollywood here. Yeah. Is this your favorite area, this pocket of Hollywood? Is this where you feel most at home? Um, It's the area most um, uh, accustomed to, I yeah. guess, because I've always been in the middle of Hollywood. But no, I mean, I really love Laurel Canyon. You know, I like Atwater a lot. You know, Silver Lake is cool too you know Los I like Feliz, you know I like I used to live downtown actually back in the in the mid 90s I lived downtown in a rehearsal building downtown in the mid 90s I yeah. bet that was an exciting place to be that was crazy I mean I was I was basically homeless for three months and I lived in the rehearsal building and I took showers in the blue bucket in the public <laughs> bathroom there you know and it was kind of strange you know coming from was that by choice save Europe no, no, <laughs> not necessarily. I just didn't have any money, so I yeah, just yeah. lived in the rehearsal space. And you for didn't a bit. want to go and bother your mum. 
No, she was homeless too. Okay. We, we both the like, you. you know, lost yeah. our place and like just kind of were couch surfing. And then, you know, I lived in that rehearsal building for a bit. But, um, you know, coming from Europe and kind of having a, a more safe background because you're always kind of taken care of. And here it's kind of like, you know, things can happen and it's it's the I wild west. that's the scariest thing, isn't it, is you're two or three wrong moves away from that guy on the curb. Yeah. You know, it could happen so quickly. It can definitely happen if you get sick or anything, but, you know, that's life, I guess. But I have to say those three months that I did live there, it was amazing. Like, it, you know, it was very sketchy. It's not like it's now. And downtown has cleaned up a lot. It was super sketchy. And, you know, I remember having to park the car against the wall of the rehearsal building because you didn't want anybody being able to open up the hood and steal the battery because people stole car batteries back in those days, you know? And so it was a little scary, but that's kind of what made it magical too, you know? Now yeah. you go down there and it's a bunch of hipsters. Yeah. It's boring. You know, a little, little bit of danger makes it interesting. Same as in rock and roll, you know? Rock and roll is not dangerous anymore. That's why it's boring. We have the same bands every year all these festivals like i've seen these bands like 50 times yeah even like, the dangerous them. ones aren't dangerous anymore no. are they well they haven't been for a long time yeah and none of the young ones i don't find to be exciting or exhilarating in that same way anymore yeah I, me I, neither but you know then i started thinking do i just sound like an old bitter person that's just not excited <laughs> about well, stuff there, there is that but then i don't know i just feel like you can't really say or do anything too provocative anymore without being accused of being controversial or do you know what i mean i feel yeah. like careers can end overnight now because of the internet and the the sort of the way that a popular opinion of a person can change so drastically and quickly over the smallest thing yeah yeah, exactly. You're not allowed to say anything. Everybody's offended by nothing. Yeah, and everything. And everything. Yeah, it's just like, oh, wow, sorry, I hurt your feelings by saying something that would not have been a big deal. Essentially, you just don't agree with. That's what it yeah, is. Yeah. Go, I don't agree with that. I'm offended. You can't say that. I was speaking to Buzz from the Melvins about this yeah. a couple of days ago, and he was like, if you claim to be liberal, but you tell other people what they can and can't say or feel or think. Yeah you're basically a fascist. There's no two I agree ways with about that. that. That makes sense. Like Totally. It's like, yeah, if you don't agree with my opinion, then, you know, something wrong with you. I know. It's, so, I don't know. We're, it's like a bunch of generation of a bunch of pussies right now. Amen. You know? Amen. I'm, it's so annoying. <laughs> so, are you, are you still doing music? I can see the guitars are here. Mm-hmm. They're present. Are you connected to your instruments? Are you still playing? Are you ex are you excited by music as just an individual? Do you still enjoy being creative with it? Well, or have you lost love, the love for no, playing? No, I, I love music, you know, and I will always love music. And right now, I'm taking a break from music. <laughs> um, I guess is that to find the love again, or is it just because you you're not in love with it at the moment, so you feel like you need a break? No, I, I'm still in love with it, the motions. but I'm just not inspired right mm -hmm. now, you know? So maybe if I find some inspiration again, you know, I'll pick up the bass. The other day, actually, I did play and I was like, oh, yeah, I still know how to do this. It never leaves me. You know, I've, I've done this before where I would have a break of a couple of years of not playing and then I pick it up again. And for some magical reason, I'm better than I was two years prior. I don't know how that works, but that's just how it is, you know? Um, yeah, no, after the last tour, I haven't been very musically active, you know, um, of course, um, if there would be something that 
would come my way, like somebody be needing a bass player from a band that I really like, like I would Smashing do it. Like Smashing Pumpkins. Yeah, but they have a guy now. Do they? Yeah, yeah. They can't have a yeah. guy. Well, all of us female bass players get replaced by guys. I should be offended in this liberal movement know, right? that we are. It's, it's against women. Fucking men. <laughs> White men. Yeah. Worse. Taking away my job. <laughs> God damn it. What's Casey up to at the moment? Why you don't know, you play I, some stuff? Why don't you do some stuff with him? Is he doing music? I believe he's been making an Amen album for like the last three years. I don't know <laughs> That's a like, long time. <laughs> I, don't, I think it's because he's just been doing it like bit by bit. I believe Lombardo's played drums on a okay. bunch of stuff. I think Ross Robinson's produced it all. I really? Think, I think he's been piecing it together like, you know, over the years. Yeah. Just through, I guess, favors and mm-hmm. he's one of the last outlaws, right? Yeah. I mean, I saw him, I don't know, maybe six months ago. Or something we ended up at a concert together and um i i don't remember what he said about the record or if he was going to norway or sweden or somewhere to do it i don't know i i don't remember but yeah i mean you know i'm i'm open to uh to playing it's just nothing's good really been you know available you know as far as i can see especially in metal and rock most bands that have female players uh, you know are either inactive or they already have somebody, you know? So, of course, I could play and, and do a Lucky Strike Jam or any kind of Hollywood jam session. I'm, but honestly, I'm not interested in it. Yeah. You know, it's not really my style. I'm not really, I don't know. I don't know if I should say that, but it just doesn't sound that much fun to... You want to be doing something exhilarating and fresh. Yeah. And... Yeah, I, I want to, you know, I like doing stuff that I can pour my heart into. Uh-huh. And if I can't do it, then I don't really know why I'm doing it, you know? It's a blessing and a curse, isn't it? It is. Something like that. Totally. I feel that same way. Like, I've kind of turned my back on radio because I became so disillusioned with that whole medium. Yeah. And part of me feels like, man, maybe I should be, because the podcast is going well, putting myself back out there as a radio presenter again. But Mm. then I'm like, fuck radio. Yeah. It's bullshit and it's boring. And I'd sooner struggle on my own but be happy and content and fulfilled yeah. than just jump through hoops for something that my heart's not in. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I wouldn't mind collaborating with friends in music and maybe just work on a song-by-song basis and just put it out ourselves and just see well, what album, happens. The album as a format is basically dead now, isn't it? Right. Anyway, People so you have no attention span for it. EPs or... Yeah. Yeah, it's just a very strange time in music. Like, I feel like I don't even know what's going on, to be honest. And, um, you know, I, I did have my own band a few years ago, as you know, because you, you played that on one of your radio stations. And I don't really... What happened uh, with that? <laughs> nothing. <laughs> nothing happened with that. <laughs> it fell apart. Like, like whew, exploded. It exploded. Like, right? Yeah. yeah. And, you know, it's fine. <laughs> I mean, whatever. It was, a, it was definitely a learning curve for me. And I did learn a lot from it. And I had some really magical moments with it that were worth it you yeah. know i really like the track i played yeah was, and was it an ep or was it an album yeah we put out an ep it was, it was EP, like four yeah. songs yeah 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 um but you know so i don't really feel the need to starting like a band band as far as like how we used to do it you know get the band together get a rehearsal room write the songs play the viper room and i'm over that you know yeah. so is that an age thing or is that just like You've been there, you've done it, and the landscape's changed. 
or maybe I just have not collaborated with people that have, you know, really switched uh, you on in that way. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, maybe that's what it is. You know, and maybe I haven't really been looking either. I was going to ask, do you put do you put yourself out there in that way? I haven't. I mean, here, you know, I feel like in LA, I know so many people, and a lot of people know about me. And of course, if you're not out there, people kind of forget, or they think they're, that you're busy, or whatever, you know. So I haven't really been looking, you know. But I mean, if something good was available, I would probably hear about it from one of my many manager friends. Yes, yeah. you know, because everyone in this town knows everyone, don't they? Pretty much. It's, although it's huge. It's still a small town. If you're in the music industry or the movie industry or whatever industry you're in, you're probably going to know most of the people in that industry and they're going to know what's going on, right? Yeah. The thing that would be interesting for me is that I don't know anybody in the movie world. You know, I don't know anything about that craft, so to speak, you know. So for me, it would be interesting Mm -hmm. because it's a a new challenge. It would be challenging, yeah. So I'm I'm thinking maybe I should look into that. It'd be definitely, yeah. Some I would, I could learn something for sure. <laughs> I went to actually I went to one acting class um, about a year ago, and I was thrown into it, and um, I Did had you a lot enjoy of fun. It? Yeah, yeah. I I just thought I was going to go there to watch, but then I was thrown into it, and I had to full on do all these things with these actors that have been you know going to these classes forever and. Uh, well, you know, I'm not afraid to be on stage. You know, that's a plus, you know. And, I feel like uh, there's a lot of transferable skills between the two. I think that's why so many actors start bands and so many musicians segue into acting. It's all yeah. performance, isn't it? It's all connecting exactly. with something inside of you and showing that off in a way that connects with people. Right, exactly. So, yeah, so I, I, performing is, is fun to me. So I, I did not feel too awkward being on that stage. Do you still love performing then? Do you still feel... yeah. Is that where it's at for you as opposed yeah. to in the studio? Yeah, I yeah. oh yeah. I mean, I prefer performing on stage and touring way more than being in the studio. And you still like touring? I love touring. Yeah. I I would tour all year if I could. Right, okay. It's my favorite thing in the world. Is it really? Gypsy lifestyle. Yeah, I love it. There's something, you know, yeah. just irresponsible, I guess. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Not in a you destructive way. You don't really way. have to grow up. You know, yeah. <laughs> you can just roll into town, you have check tour out manager, what's your around. band dad or mom. Well, I was doing this this Q&A tour that I recently did, I was doing the actual Q&A itself. I was hosting that and mm-hmm. I was also tour managing as well. So that was hectic and I was like the sensible one for once because mm-hmm. usually when I'm just on a do- like a DJ tour, mm-hmm. I can just, you know, there's minimum effort on my part. I don't mm-hmm. really need to be that present to just play a few songs in between bands and then the rest of the day I'm chilling and kicking it. So I, mm-hmm. I saw the other side of the organization that goes into it and I was like, oh, there's actually quite a lot of work here. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, totally. <laughs> No, it's fun. But it is I so love much it. fun, isn't it? Well, and you know, it, let's be honest, it gets boring too. You know, when we're on tour, then we complain about, oh, we want to go home. Mm-hmm. But that's just road talk, you yeah, know, yeah, because yeah. it's Because the minute just, you're home, you're like, oh, can yeah, we go out worse. again? <laughs> <laughs> oh, of course. No, but it's just road talk. It's just like grumpy, you know, ah, you know, you want to have something to complain about. It doesn't mean anything, you know. But, you know, it depends what cities you're playing in. Sometimes you're like, but fuck nowhere, you know. And then, uh, okay, well, we're across a cornfield, you know. Like, what we're going to eat today. <laughs> but I love it, you know. I just love having, being with the group and and just rolling through different towns and seeing different people. And then you can go back and be like, oh, that town was pretty cool. Maybe I want to check that out on my free time, you know. How did you find or how do you find being 
because I presume on most tours you're on, you're probably the only woman. Mm-hmm. Is that all right? Do you have yeah. to put up with a lot of bullshit from the guys? No, or not at all. You've always had really pleasant, positive experiences. Well, I've had both, you, you know. Both. But, <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I'm, I'm, I, I get along with guys great. You know, I like being the only girl on the tour. You know, it's fine by me. I don't have a problem. I'm kind of have somewhat of a tomboy attitude anyway, so it's not weird for me. And if there's ever any issues, I don't have any problem saying Busting what I don't like. Skulls. and yeah, telling people yeah. to fuck off. It's totally fine. So I think I have the right attitude for it, you know. I'm not like a like a crybaby chick that's going to be like, oh, my God. You know, that's so I, yeah, <laughs> it's second nature to me. And I love it. Uh, Tell me about some of your favorite early Cold Chamber tours. Oh, God. I mean, early Cold Chamber tours for me, would have been, uh, you know. Well, I guess right before the band broke up, right? <laughs> well, we always break up. We break up time. Uh, every time. <laughs> it's kind of like what we do, you know. Like, that's why when we do play, you have to come to the show because it could be the last one. So I guess there's an element of danger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Unpredictability. <laughs> yeah. It's not built we, to we last. We do bring that. <laughs> so you joined after album, was it after album three? No. After the second After album. the second. No, I actually, I joined when, now let me think. No, I joined when the second, when Chamber Music, the second album came out. Right. In the 99. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So they did, the, the first record came out, they did the touring for that. And then I came in in early 99, right before Chamber Music dropped. Okay. So what was I the believe. band doing at that point in time? Was it an exciting outfit to walk into and how did you well how did you get the gig first of all how did that call come about (laughs) (laughs) without going into what went on with your predecessor (laughs) um how did i get the gig um well it was funny because i actually i had seen meigs around town um at after hour parties and bar deluxe and places that we used to hang out in and he was uh, a friend or acquaintance of my then guitar player of this girl band that i was in back in the day so I, I would see him around and like, I didn't really know him, you know, but um, basically, you know, I I knew this girl, Heather, who um, I used to party with and stuff. And she ended up being Meeks's girlfriend. And she called me up one day and she goes, hey, my boyfriend is in this band and they need a girl bass player. And I've seen you play. I know you can do it. So you should do it. I'm like, all right, well, I'll check it out, you know, and um so basically, uh, Meek showed up at uh, Jumbo's, dropped off a CD, and I checked it out. And it was different from the music I was playing back then. I mean, I was just starting out with my girl band at the time. And we were playing more like, you know, rock and roll or, you know, more like indie rock kind of stuff, you okay. know? So this was way more metal than yeah, yeah. what I was playing. And he dropped it off, and I was like, wow, that sounds a lot more professional <laughs> than what so I'm doing. So you hadn't heard of Cold Chamber? I had not heard their music at all because I was not into that that kind of music, you know, and I was not in that kind of world at all. Um, I had heard the name. I've seen pictures of them and some paper here and there, but I didn't, I was not familiar with their music at all or their life performance or anything like that. So, yeah. So um, he dropped it off. I was like, yeah, cool. Then he said, well, you know, call my manager and, and come in for an audition which at the time was Sharon Osbourne. Was it really? Yeah. 
Well, I didn't know who she was. You know? <laughs> Amazing. So, uh, yeah, I saw her at the office, which she had across the Troubadour back then on Santa Monica Boulevard. And I was like, oh, shit, that's Sharon Osbourne, you know? And it was so funny because uh, she was very cool to me, but I think she sized me up in five minutes. <laughs> you know, she's like, <laughs> I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> Slightly intimidating back then. I was 24, you know? And then uh, I went in for the audition. And um, Des was there and Meigs. Mikey wasn't there because Mikey was living in Albany, New York at the time. So his brother, Travis, came in and, and was on drums. He was really cool. And so I, I auditioned. I was like, all right, cool, you know. And um, then I went in a second time. And then I didn't hear from them. And I was like, well, I actually had made plans to go to Europe. I already had bought my ticket to Europe to go see my grandmother in Germany. And I didn't hear from them for a few days and I was like well I guess I didn't get it so you know whatever I'm gonna go to Europe but then um I thought oh maybe I should call Sharon and just make sure because I'm leaving in like three days you know and I called her up and I'm like hey you know I guess I didn't get the audition it's cool but uh I just wanted to make sure because I'm leaving in three days for Europe and she goes what are you talking about you like you got it and I'm like well fucking nobody told me (laughs) that's so typical of rock and roll music yeah super typical (laughs) but I didn't know at the time I was like oh well fuck you know and so then I had a month to prepare I canceled my trip to Europe because I had to learn those two records you know to to do the uh the touring then yeah so I locked myself in my room for a month to learn all the material um because mainly it was learning the style too because my bass playing style was different you know so i had to kind of learn the more metal style back then but yeah it was cool i mean i didn't have a life for like a month you know it's like i can't imagine that headspace and it's especially when like drummers do it Mm -hmm. because drums are so personal as well Mm -hmm. like when you get offered a gig and they're like okay you've got like a week to learn everything Mm -hmm. just it's such a mad it's like the only thing I can liken it to is revising for exams as a kid mm-hmm. and you're just cramming and cramming and cramming and cramming. Mm-hmm. What's that first show like? Do you remember the first gig with Cold Chamber? Where was it? Yeah, I remember it. It was... Uh, in... did, you, did you ace it? Yeah. I mean, you know, I was a little bit intimidated and shy at, at the time, but um, um, it was in Philadelphia at the uh, Electric Factory. And that place is always special to me. I don't think I've played there since. We I played there twice in the early days of Cold Chamber, but uh, not on this last tour, which I would have loved to have gone back because I love that place. <laughs> you know? For obvious reasons, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But it, yeah, it was fine. You know, it was. Did you feel any good. sort of, um, you know, when a new member joins a band and the mm-hmm. fans go, rrr, rrr, did you get, did you have any of that at all? Or were the fans really receptive and warm to you? And. I mean, because this is pre-internet, isn't it? So I guess you didn't have all those people that are sort of yeah, expressing their opinions yeah, online. Yeah, I got in there just in time, yeah, right <laughs> before the internet. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, you didn't I mean, have anyone I, I, I sort had, of looking at you at the shows, going "boo," any of that. No, nobody no. booed me out. I didn't have that really. You know, I'm. People were asking like, "Where's Raina?" Sometimes, you know, but in I mean, I had a few of those moments, but it wasn't. I don't think it was that bad, you know, because I uh, I was a different type than Reina, you know? Yeah. I, I mean, I dress different. I move different. I'm a different type. So I think, you know, we're both very individual, you know, in, in what we do. And and so 
it's it's not like I was trying to, you know, imitate. Be, yeah, imitate or be Raina, you know. Have you two ever connected? Have you ever gotten to know her? No, which is um, kind of a shame, you know. I, uh, I remember, I mean, I replaced her when she was pregnant, you know, yeah. and I knew it was a temporary deal. I knew when she would have the kid, she would come back. And uh, during her pregnancy, I, I never met her. That's when I was doing all the touring, you know. And uh, then she came back after she had the kid, and I went to their show, I believe for that same touring cycle though at the palladium and i just met her for like five minutes and um you know that was pretty much it you know like she just asked how i liked the show and you know we had like a friendly five minute conversation and that was it and then um i remember years later when the internet happened mm -hmm. <laughs> there was someone that created like an audio fan page and some of my fans were talking shit about her on my forum. Remember when the days of the forums? The forum, yeah. I don't even think that exists anymore. No. Nobody pays attention to that shit. Well, anyway, I had a... a that was for the super nerds, wasn't it? Yeah, they yeah. really wanted to get yeah. into it and express their opinions. <laughs> yeah, and totally. And I had like a like a web administrator person, you know. And, and I didn't really pay that much attention to it. And um, I guess some people in my forum were talking shit about her. But... I, I didn't pay attention to it, but I got an email from her one day going like, hey, there's some people that are talking shit about me on your website, you know, like, can you take care of that? And I was like, yeah, sure, you know, like, I <laughs> wasn't even really aware of it. So I did that, and then um, she sent me an amp, you know, because um, she said, you know, you played this amp way more than I did, so I think you should have it, which was very nice, you know. And that's all the, uh, that's all the uh, communication I ever had with her. Uh, very strange and she was just fully out right yeah i know i mean she came back after after she had the kid she came back she did like a month or so of touring for chamber music and then she recorded dark days with them but the minute she was done recording the album she quit the band and then i came back in and did that entire album cycle was that a weird thing you sort of dip your toe and then you go away, and then you come back. Did it sort of feel like, am I in, am I not in? Yeah, it's or a little did, weird. Yeah? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, obviously touring for pretty much the whole chamber music album cycle lasted almost like a year for me, you know. Um, I got used to that lifestyle and, and doing that, and I loved it. But I did know that she was coming back. So it was never, you know, I never had any false, you know, whatever. Uh, illusions of mm -hmm. of her not coming back you know and uh, you know it sucked but you know it's life that's I accepted it you know and it was fine and um, whatever I mean that wasn't too hard on me it was harder on me when um, I came back for dark days because at that point she was gone she had left the band and I was like all right well now I'm back in you know doing these tours and I figured, oh, cool, you know, now we're going to continue. And then when we broke up, you know, after the Dark Days cycle, that was more uh, hard for me because I was like, okay, well, now I'm basically in the band and now we're breaking up. Oh, that really sucks, yeah, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because before I knew, I was just filling in for her. Yeah, it's like... Know? And now it's like I'm doing this. And then yeah. Snatching it away. Exactly. And was it 
I guess just a fallout with Des and Meigs, was it? It was those two that just sort of yeah. bash skulls and pretty much didn't they have I a mean, fight on stage or something? And then yeah, they just in Lubbock, like, Texas. It's over. Was that the night it ended? That that gig? Yeah. Yeah. It well. Hold on. I don't know. I got to think about it. Yeah, I think that's when it ended. Because I don't know if that that was. Ugh, I get the time frames confused now, but we <laughs> broke up and prior to Dark Days coming out, and then we got back together because we had a Dark Days uh, release show at the Key Club. But I think the Lubbock, Texas one is what ended it then. I believe that's what it was. Or maybe that was another fight prior. I don't, <laughs> I don't remember exactly. But, yeah. Is that hard for you in a situation like that to be, well, were you in the middle or were you more on the outside? And do you see something like that coming and is there anything that you feel like you can do to stop it or... Well, I've always been on the outside of of the fights, I would say, you know. Um, I feel like I'm more, uh, I I play more of a mediator role in in the band, you know, where I get along with all the guys. And, uh, you know, I... Who could not get on with you, Nadia? (laughs) Hey, believe me, I have my moments too. I'm not not as much of an angel as you might think I am. (laughs) But, you know, in general, I... You know, I pretty much played a mediator role between those guys, and it's it's worked, you know, and then sometimes it doesn't, you know. So I, you know, it's it's a bummer for me because I like touring, and I like I like touring with the guys, and I like playing with Cold Chamber, you know. So it's always a bummer to go home, you know. Who would want to sit at home if you can be on tour playing in front of lots of people and, you know, headbanging? <laughs> Some boring bastards in bands. Mm-hmm. It always amazes me, like why join a band if you don't want to be out on the road playing shows? Like when you see people on tour and they're miserable and they're like, "Oh, I don't want to be here." It's like, yeah. well, get a different profession than you idiot. Like yeah. you're in the wrong trade. <laughs> totally. Yeah. No, I mean, so that's more the thing. It's it sucks when you you know when shit like that happens and then it escalates and then everybody pays the price. It's not just you that goes home with a band. It's also the crew. And of course. I mean, the thing is the crew will always continue with another band, so they'll always stay working, you know? That's, that's really the that's ultimate touring world, job to it? have. It is, right? Yeah. I, I know people who are tour managers, and they work all year. Yeah. They're just always on the road. And yeah. I think the thing with the road as well is you can kind of save money quite a lot as well because you've got your oh, buyouts yeah. and totally. you know, you've got your rider. Yeah. And so if you can be smart with it, you could sure. come home off a tour having not spent anything. Yeah. And then you're, you've obviously made all your money as well. Mm-hmm. I know. I mean, I was thinking about, hey, maybe I should tour manage because I love the road. I know the road. But, you know, then I get to hear, well, no, would you're you, not retired Would you miss play. not being on stage, though, as a performer? Would that, do you think, be difficult for you? Yeah, I think no? I could handle you think it. you could? Yeah, I mean, you know, sure, why not? But it's more like, do I want to babysit yeah. a bunch of dudes mm-hmm. that are out of control? <laughs> That's more like the thing. Yeah. Like, oh, God, just get it together already, you know? Because <laughs> a lot of tour managing is babysitting, isn't it? That's all it is, really. Yeah. That's most of what it is, you know, dealing with the different <laughs> characters and making sure everybody's happy. And, you know, you can't always make everybody happy. That's the problem. <laughs> Let's go back to the man, Dean Carr. Yeah. Um. He has obviously made some amazing videos and done some really cool stuff over the years, having known him a long time. Was there any mm-hmm. projects with him that you were on site for or involved in? Yeah, I mean, I did um, two uh, 
Cypress Hill videos with him. Really? Yeah. I had B-Real on this show a while back. He's the him. coolest man alive, yeah, isn't he? He is great. Which which two tracks did you do? I did um you was Rock Superstar? Right. Yeah, yeah. I play bass in, in the video. Fuck yeah. And uh I what's your name? That. What's your number? I play bass in that video as well. So I was I was acting. Love it. See, so you, there's my acting got career. Some, it's happening. What do you call it? Some yeah. roles on the old filmography. I can just act myself. <laughs> <laughs> or just any bass, any musician, not just yourself. Yeah. 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 <laughs> That's cool. So what were those sets like? What were the what were the shoots like? Oh, it was fun. I mean, you were know, I, I really... A lot of weed? Oh, God. No, I don't <laughs> think so. I mean, I'm sure there was, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, I don't think I was part of that that particular party. <laughs> but, um, God, that was a long time ago, but uh, I really I really loved that Rock Superstar video. And I love that song. It's still a great song, you know. And I love Cypress Hill. So it was it was great to do that. It was, it was fun. My my outfit was a li- little weird. What was it? It was like some weird silver hot pants, <laughs> and like star bra or something. I don't know. I was like, all right, like a, a little... space age stripper. Yeah, totally. <laughs> I was a space age stripper. There you oh go. Oh my god. But yeah. Put um, that on IMDb. Yeah. Rolls I played space age stripper. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> um. Yeah, no, it, it was fun doing that, you know, and then because we were like the backup girl band, you know, that that was a little weird for me because I'm the real musician and yeah, then yeah. The two other girls were actually actresses, you know, and it always I always cringe when girls play their instruments high and girl like don't play. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, and there's some girls that actually do play, but okay. they just the way they hold the instrument, it's like it looks uncomfortable. You got to swing it down low. Yeah, you got to own that thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? I love watching you play. Like, there's just something really physical about the way you play. And I think that when I, I think the last time I saw you was, yeah, 2015 or, mm-hmm. or 13. When, what was the year when you 15. played Wolverhampton 15. on the Cold Chamber Tour? Um, and I remember Des being particularly excited about that show. I was interviewing him before it, and he was like, Wolverhampton to me is as important as London. And I was like, really? Yeah. Why? yeah i come from the midlands so i can say that i was like that's a (laughs) a strange town to have a fondness for yeah but he seemed really stoked on that one particular city whether it's personal history or whatever i don't know but i don't know either (laughs) you didn't notice nerves in the camp that night then he's like we've got to be good tonight we've got to be good tonight well it's kind of i mean you know i kind of feel like you know that happens with certain shows you know the london show was a big deal because it was sold out and you know we filmed the video for it that night but yeah, I mean, Wolverhampton was cool. Yeah, what did we do? I just saw you on the street, remember, and you were like, because I had my Jumbos cap on, and the yeah, guy's yeah. like, that guy's got a Jumbos hat on, what the fuck? And you're like, yeah, it's my friend Matt. <laughs> All I remember of that day is getting a picture of you inside a tiny little plastic bus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you remember yeah, that? Yeah. That was kind of all I remember. Yeah, and I bought like a book on some sort of health yes. hippie shit yeah, yeah, yeah. that I'm into. <laughs> and how's that going? But I don't know. I mean, maybe for every body type, it's something different, you know? Whatever might be good for you might, might is definitely not good for me, Matt. <laughs> what are you saying? <laughs> Livid. Let's talk I'm just about with you. Let's talk about jumbos then. That's the perfect segue oh, into jumbos. No. Um, my favorite bar in the world ever. I think it's the coolest place on earth. And um, I was in there with my friend Hyro, who's a rapper, the last time I was here, and we were we were in there, and he was like, "Man, that's the Black Power Ranger." And I was like, what? How do you know that? And he's like, because he was like my hero as a kid. Because, you uh-huh. know, back then you just didn't have black guys like in the lead roles on TV. So he goes up to this dude 
and it was like i imagine you get a lot of characters like that in there uh-huh. like aging pop culture icons or celebrities just sort of sat there in jumbos hanging out mm-hmm. and that's kind of why i like it it's just like a I don't know, the decor is obviously fucked up. Like, if you've got a fear of clowns, you definitely don't want to go there because there is just clowns everywhere. And I don't know, most... Like, I I DJed in a a strip club in Birmingham many years ago, and I just really hated the whole experience and the vibe. And I feel like a lot of the times... Well, I guess it's... Would you even classify it as a strip club? No. It's like a burlesque It's like a bikini bar. bar. Yeah. I've just found... It's like a bikini dive bar. It's way less, like cringy and sleazy than most of the other places yeah. of that kind of thing yeah um the music's cool the girls seem really cool yeah. it just seems like a lot more of an easy going you're less it's not like a hustler kind yeah, of yeah give me all your money give me yeah your, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah yeah of course they and how, too, how but... of course but they're not totally <laughs> fleeting <laughs> no um so how long's your mum been running that place well she's been working there for like 25 years or something wow. like that 20 years so courtney love used to dance there right yeah she did was she working there when courtney used to dance there no 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 um i have yeah me neither so i don't know how long courtney was there (laughs) (laughs) before she probably got fired (laughs) who knows who knows (laughs) hey that's another band i should stop trash talking yeah hole and what about it face you but they're not a band right yeah but if they get back together but they got Jenny. They got Jenny V. That's that's uh, Courtney's. Who plays in Eagles of Death yeah, Metal yeah, yeah. now? Right, right. Yeah, she's she's Courtney's girl. Oh, okay. So. Well, that's that gone. Yeah. Back to jumbos. Oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I mean, look, um, what else is there? Yeah, there's there's not many others, right? There's Smashing Pumpkins. There's Hole. I mean, Perfect Circle used to have a girl. Pause. Pixies. Why? Who Perfect Circle have got? Is it Matt Majunkins, the guy's name? He used to play in Eagles of Death Metal as well. Yeah. Yeah, and he's in... Uh, there's another band that he's in with the drummer Jeff from A Perfect Circle, whose name okay. I can't remember. They're pretty good. Oh. But yeah, it's um, it's few and for Pixies, but... Yeah, well, Paz is in there, and she used to be in A Perfect Circle. Really? Yeah, she's great. This, this seems like there's just like three or four. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> exchanging members and... Yeah. I mean, there's there's... I guess I'm sure there's more bass player girls out there now. I probably just don't know them. Would you ever start your own band? Again? Yeah. You know, never say never, but it's it's not really... Well, you know what? I look at it more like I like things to just happen organically. So if I'm going to jam with some people that I really admire and, and respect as musicians and, and writers and I get along with them and it's fine which shouldn't be too hard to do, you know, and things are flowing and music is flowing. Why not? But I feel like such things kind of develop on their own. Yeah. You know, I don't necessarily need to sit down and be like, all right, then, you know, I'm going to start this band. I'm going to call this person, this person. I used to think like that. Now it's more like, you know, kind of more relaxed attitude about it. Maybe just more lazy attitude. (laughs) I don't know. Is there not a thrill about, pulling together a gang and starting something that's like yes, your own. Sure, yeah. There is a thrill about it. And then there's also a lot of heartache that comes with that, you know? Because essentially you're married to like three, four people. You know? And it always starts out great. <laughs> and then it always ends really bad. <laughs> you know, I don't know. Um, I'll tell you what you should do. 
You know what it is? It's really hard finding singers. Is it that yeah. aren't assholes or just singers full stop? Yeah. <laughs> a bit of, a little of column A and a little of column B. <laughs> it's it's hard to find singers, period. You know, I mean. That have that special quality that makes yeah. them stand out like stars. Yes. Front men or ladies that yeah. sort of are more than just a singer. Yeah. They're someone that the audience can latch onto and identify with and totally. I mean, live vicariously through. Yeah, there's a lot, a lot of people that can sing, you know, yeah. but there's not a lot of people that can captivate an audience and that have that front man or front woman personality, you know. And whenever you do see it, it's great. Like, I, I went and saw The Darkness a couple of weeks ago. The He's best. got it. He's got it. He's Austin Powers of the rock and roll yeah. world, isn't he? He is yeah. so larger than life and hilarious. Yeah. And- and but he the doesn't thing with give that a band shit. is they're funny, but they're not a parody band. Like they're serious musicians. Their songs and they can are back it up. Ass. They're great players. They're really great players. Yeah. So and he's to me, it's like you know David Lee Roth kind of you yeah. know person on stage mixed with Mike Myers. Yeah, totally. <laughs> but it's great. That's entertainment. You yeah. know, I don't want to like go to a show and see somebody moping on stage. You know, boring. So, yeah, I, I love the darkness. I had a brilliant idea just then. So, years ago, Robert Trujillo did a project called Mass Mentor. I don't know whether you ever heard of that. No. Where he basically brought in loads of different bass players. Mm-hmm. And it's like a very bass-heavy project, mm-hmm. obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, but you could do something like that with all those amazing women that you just mentioned. Pull yeah. together all these badass chicks and do like a fucking bass-orientated rock and roll album. Where yeah. you're celebrating all these amazing talents. Yeah, right. I mean, actually, I thought about something like that years ago, and I was in touch with most of these bass player girls. And Melissa Auf der Moor. Yeah. Or Mia. How do you say her surname? Well, in German, it would be Auf der Mauer. Auf der Mauer. Yeah. She's lovely. I interviewed her yeah. years ago. Yeah, I met her too. She's great. Um, yeah, and, and I did talk about this kind of an idea about 10 years ago. Uh, but, you know, with people living in different places and different time zones and schedules, it's really hard to get people together. Although now... It's one thing the internet is good for. Exactly. Da-da. Back then, we didn't really have that, you yeah. know? So, Well, yeah. I think we found you a new Something to project think about. going forward. Make or maybe I should just uh, interview all the bass player ladies that are out there and do that. <laughs> and do it as a podcast. <laughs> done. Who knows? There's, There's so many things free. that can be done. <laughs> I know. No, I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, I'd love to be on tour again. I'd love to be on stage again. That's what I'm good at. That's what I love doing, you know. Whether that's going to happen again with Cold Chamber, I don't know. You know, I mean, who would have known that we would have put out a record three years ago? We thought that was never going to happen. So right now, it might look like something's never going to happen, but it can always change. Well, Dez has just done the Outlaw Devil Uh Driver album, hasn't he? Yeah. Which is, uh, I mean, the lineup that you got together for that is amazing. Yeah. I think that's coming out soon, isn't it? Super soon, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? I remember chatting to him years ago, like before the Cold Chamber reunion. Because when we first met, that wasn't going on, was it? No, I don't think no. so. And I guess initially, was it just like a tour idea? And then through reconnecting, did the creativity just explode? Is that how that album came about? Or was no. the intention always, if we are going to get back together, it has to be with the idea of doing new music so that it's not just like a retro nostalgic thing. Yeah, I mean, we always wanted to do another record, you know, and we actually started that process in like 2009. You know, um, we got together, we let the past go, apologized to each other, 
and then you know we started writing and then we had some demos and then um you know it didn't work out like meeks wasn't ready to really do that he wanted to do some other band at the time and so it didn't turn into anything you know and so and and then when that didn't go i did the vera mesmer thing and um then all of a sudden, I was getting busy with that, you know, recording, and things were looking good for us at the time. It looked like we were getting our own deal. And that's when I got the phone call that the guys wanted to get back together and do this, uh, you know, Australian run. Soundwave. Soundwave. Yeah. And that was, I believe that was 2011, I think, you know, 2000, yeah, I think so. And um, so they were like, okay, you know, we got this touring going on. And, and uh, for me at the time, there's, I had a lot of stuff going on at the time. You know, for one, it was I had my other band that looked like it was about to get signed. Then I had, you know, first of all, I didn't believe we were going to do it because we were just going to do this in 2009, two years prior. And that didn't turn. And I was like, ah, it's never going to happen. Yeah, yeah. And then the other thing is I had a health issue that I had to deal with at the time, you know, and, um, and that was really scary. And, um, you know, I ended up not doing that first reunion bit, you know, so. But then, you know, after they did that for, in total, they did like what? They did like a tour in, in, in Australia and then maybe a couple months tour in the States and a little bit of South America. And then they were like, all right, you know, we're going to do a record and we got a record deal, you know. And so then I came back and did the record with them and did the touring for that. What's your thoughts on Des? He's a very punk rock motherfucker. Isn't he? <laughs> punk th- rock motherfucker. <laughs> like, there's very few people that he I likes to wear creepers. <laughs> <laughs> there's very few people in this world that I've come across like him. Yeah. What do you mean by that? I mean that he, he just his heart's in it, mm-hmm. like really all in it. Yeah. Like him and Randy Blythe, I think they're kind yeah. of cut from the same cloth. There's very few people left around nowadays like that, that yeah. come from that kind of hardcore punk background, mm-hmm. obviously put that energy into metal. Yeah. Um, but are just so invested 200% in the the passion and the craft and mm-hmm. the, the lifestyle. Yeah, he's definitely, he's a heart worker. I mean, he's always doing something. I got to give it to him, you know. He's definitely not slacking off. So, I mean, you know, I've known Des for a long time. <laughs> it's been like 20 years. <laughs> So, you know, to me, the band, essentially, they're family, you know. We get along, we don't get along, whatever, you know. At the end of the day, they're my brothers. And that's how I will always feel about them. How is it now? Are you all in a good spot at the moment? Um, I think so. I mean, we haven't talked to each other. I haven't seen any of them, you know. And, and that's normal for us, too. Yeah, yeah. We sometimes don't speak for years, you know. Do you never, I guess he's not really, he's not a drinker, is he? So I doubt he's ever in bars or anything like that. So do you no, not really I mean, he, run he into him? He lives outside of town too. He lives right. a you know a couple hours away. Okay. I, mean, I know that he comes to town for you know probably business meetings or certain shows. You know, but I haven't seen him. You know, I haven't seen him in. Uh, my God, I probably haven't seen him since the last time we played a show together. So it's probably like almost three years now. Wow. Mm-hmm. But yeah. life just goes like that, doesn't it? The next it really thing you does, know, you're like, yeah. what? Like, you know, I can't seen believe you in three it's years. been three years since since we put out that record. You know, it doesn't feel that long. But um, yeah, I haven't seen him. I see Meigs around, 
have not seen him in a while though but him him i see the most because he's closer to hollywood and you know we have a lot of uh, mutual friends so sometimes we run into each other at like a birthday or whatever and mike i haven't seen either because you know he's been uh, doing family life i guess you know were you two doing a project together for a while we were talking about it, you know, and that was at the very tail end of, of 2009 when the writing didn't work out for us with Cold Chamber and then he and I were talking about doing something. But then that didn't turn out and from that spawned the Vera Mesmer thing. And um, yeah, that's weird. Like we don't see each other when we don't play together really, you know, when we run into each other, it's fine. But um, Who, who's your gang in Hollywood then? Who's your crew that you run around with? And I'm I'm more of a lone wolf. Oh, I yeah. gotta be honest. Oh, yeah. You know, I'm I'm. I mean, I I know a lot of people. I have a lot of friends, but I don't really ha- you know have a have crew like a gang. Circle. Well, I do and I don't. You know, right. but I spend a lot of time by myself. You know, I I'm definitely more of a loner person. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. So I want to talk to you a couple of nights ago. You mentioned to me about how, because we were talking about my all-time dream guests for the show. Uh-huh. One of them we discussed and something's happening with regards to him. No word <laughs> as of yet. Crossed. But um, if it comes off, then I owe you my life, Nadia. No, you don't. Because he's my number one guy. But I don't want to say who he is because I don't want to jinx <laughs> You don't owe me anything. For now. But um, <laughs> my other all-time dream guest mm. is James Osterberg, <laughs> a.k.a. Iggy Pop. And I was telling you this and you said, oh, you know I jammed with Iggy, right? Right. I was like, no. So I want you to tell me and all the good people listening to this about the time you got to jam with, I presume, your hero too. Like all-time, number one yeah. rock icon. Oh, 100%. He is he is my my idol for sure. I mean, I grew up on Iggy and the Stooges. So when that happened, I was, you know, kind of seemed surreal at the time. But, you know, I've been really 
good friends with uh, Whitey Kirst, who was his long-term, long-time, whatever, uh, guitar player back in the day, like in the 90s, and I believe through the 2000s as well. And um, Whitey was actually one of the first people I met in LA at the Rainbow with my fake ID. Okay. You know, it was probably well, he the was first ju- He night. was just in there at the bar and you got talking and... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I went in there and um, I met Whitey and he gave me a, some sort of a brain massage and I still <laughs> uh, tell him it's because of him that my life turned out the way it turned out. Cause For he, better or worse. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> sometimes better, sometimes worse. <laughs> but um, yeah, so anyway, um, I was home from touring with Cold Chamber for a while um, and, you know, usually I get kind of the tour blues when I come home. Does that hit you hard? Yeah. I mean, because, you know, when you're on tour, you just keep going every day. It's just, and you don't really feel it. You don't really feel exhausted because you just go, you know. Adrenaline the, the kicks adrenaline, in yeah. half an hour before the show every night. Totally. And then you're buzzing off the high after you get off stage. Yep. And then you get to do the same thing again, 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 and again, and again. <laughs> And then it's over. And then it's over. And it's just kind of like a standstill. And, you know, at first it's like, oh, it's great to be home in your own bed and and all that stuff. But after a couple of days, kind of like the boredom sets in. And, you know, wow, I don't have a tour manager to tell me what to do. You know, I. (laughs) What do I do? What do I do? What time do I need to be there? And how do I get there? Mm hmm. Yeah, I mean, I'm, you know, pretty much can fend for myself. Yeah, I'm self-sufficient. You're not one of these musicians that needs babysitting. Absolutely I think not. that's more of a guy thing anyway, right? We're yeah, useless, aren't way. we? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I said it, not you. Yeah, I'm glad you did. <laughs> but, um, yeah, exactly. I'm self-sufficient. But, you know, it's still, it's, it, you know, kind of boring after a while to just be home and not have that party lifestyle every day, I guess. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, the tour blue sets in, and, you know, I usually don't touch my bass for a while. And uh, anyway, it was one of those days I was in bed watching some nonsense television show, and I got a phone call from Whitey, who was telling me that um, he was at the swing house jamming with some dudes, and I should come down and jam with him. And, you know, I was feeling a bit depressed, and I just wasn't really in the mood. So I told him... No, man, I'm like in my PJs and <laughs> watching Jerry Springer. I don't know, something stupid. <laughs> and uh, and uh, I didn't go down there. And so, you know, little time passes. He calls again, tells me again he's down there with a bunch of guys that want to jam with me. And I'm like, yeah, but I don't want to jam with them. I don't know who they are, whatever. Calls again. And, you know, eventually I get a phone call from some other guy. And he's telling me he's Iggy Pop's son and tour manager. And um, that Iggy pops down in the studio with Whitey and he wants to jam with me and I should come down. (laughs) I thought it was a prank. You know, I'm like, well, now, you know, Whitey got these guys to call me and prank me. He's a relentless prankster. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, no, I'm in my PJs and, you know, I'm watching TV and my bass has dust on it. It's not happening. And it literally did. Right. Because it had been untouched for that long. Yeah. It's been untouched. (laughs) That's a good word. Anyway, um, yeah, so, you know, this guy called a couple of times and I was like starting to get really kind of annoyed and bothered by this whole thing. (laughs) And then finally I get another phone call and it was Iggy and I recognized his voice right away. Now, does he introduce himself as Iggy or Jim or does he not say either way? Do you you just know? Yeah, 
I mean, this is many years ago, so Mm -hmm. don't quote me on it exactly, but I I think his words were, you know, hey, Nadia, this is Iggy. I hear a lot of good things about you. I'm down here at the studio, you know, I'd like to jam with you. If you can be down here in 15 minutes, great. If not, then fuck it. And that was it, you know. Balls in your court. Yeah. (laughs) We hung up the phone and, um, you know, it dawned on me that it was him. And I, you know, basically shit my pants. You know, I was like, holy fuck. That was Iggy Pop that just called me. And I better get down there, even though I don't know what the hell I'm doing. So I grabbed my my dusty bass and, you know. Still in your pajamas. Still in my pajamas. Amazing. And, uh, I mean, I didn't have a lot of time, you know, 15 minutes. In LA, yeah, even getting anywhere yeah. in that time is, <laughs> is cutting it fine, isn't it? Totally. So, um, yeah, so I went down there and, um, you know, I already heard them jamming. And, uh, you know, literally I had to run to the bathroom. Because <laughs> I was very nervous, you know. Like, I love Iggy Pop and the Stooges. And to play with him is, is a huge was a huge deal for me. But um, he was so great. You know, I went in there. In the bathroom, you mean? <laughs> no, in, in the studio. <laughs> yeah, that was after. <laughs> I went in the studio and uh, I saw Whitey and, you know, a couple of guys that looked just like Whitey, you know. And it's like, you oh, know, that's kind of weird. You know, everybody like looks like you're related or something. And he started laughing. And it, those were his brothers. So it was the, yeah, the band of brothers, I guess. Like the Ramones. Like, yeah, yeah. that classic look. Yeah, yeah. And then, um, you know, one brother, <laughs> one brother. <laughs> Gave me the bass, and um, you know, then I ended up jamming with them for a couple of hours, and it was all songs that they were just trying to write for a new album, or I don't really know what they were doing. I don't really know what I was doing, you know. But um, it was really, really cool. Like when he's deal. when he's practicing, is he shimmering around like a snake, like he does on stage when he plays live? Like, what's practice room Iggy like? <laughs> practice room Iggy. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean, he was moving a, a little bit, but he wasn't, you know, going crazy and, you know, putting peanut butter on himself and, I mean, he, you know, <laughs> crawling around on the floor. That did not happen. <laughs> no, he was, you know, pretty composed. He was singing. He was moving a bit. He was feeling certain parts, just, you know, how it is in a rehearsal room, mm-hmm. I guess. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so, you know, we jammed for a couple of hours and then I went home and, um, you know, I felt great that I was in that situation, but at the same time, I was like, fuck, I didn't know any of these songs, you know, because they were just jamming, and I, you know, called Whitey and told him he should have told me, like, what those songs. He's like, I was trying to get you to come down here for hours. You were just being, you know, playing hard to get. (laughs) So anyway, um, I ended up not playing with him after that. I ran into him on the street. You know, he asked me if I was practicing. Iggy did. Yeah. I wasn't going to lie to Iggy Pop, you know? So I said, no, I'm still in bed with my PJs. Watching Seinfeld or Springer. TV. <laughs> <laughs> and that was it. I haven't seen him since, you know? But um, it was it was really cool, unexpected experience. And um, a life a highlight? Guy. A life highlight for you? Absolutely. Like, definitely a dream come true, you know? And he was so cool. And I... Never wanted to meet him before because I had the chance of meeting him prior at shows where Whitey would be like, come backstage, you know, and I was like, nope, because if the guy's a dick, I can never listen to the music the same way. So I just don't even want to meet him. But I did. And he was, you know, totally the real deal. 
He's authentic, isn't he? He yeah. bleeds authenticity. I met him once for about two seconds, and he thought I was in a band. I was in like a stairwell, um, an Eagles of Death Metal show. Mm -hmm. And he goes, hey, sorry, man. I didn't mean to uh, interrupt you before you're going on stage, man. Like, so cool. <laughs> and Josh Hom just pushed me to the side and was like, don't worry about him. He's not in a band. Like, just totally mugged me off. But Iggy was, he just seemed like the perfect gentleman. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, he, to me, he's the real deal, not just in music, but also in person. And, um, I mean, if you're Iggy Pop, you don't have anything to prove, you know? No. And, uh, I think that's the same with anyone of a certain stature is there's mm -hmm. no ego there because they've achieved everything they set out to achieve a long mm -hmm. time ago. Their legacy is cemented forever mm -hmm. and there's no sense of, um, I need to prove myself here. Yeah. I mean, look, there's still some people out there that are very known that are idols that, you know, uh, huge rock stars or pop stars or whatever, and they're total dickheads. You like know? who? <laughs> there's a list. There's a long list. And, you know, that's, you know, unfortunate because why? You yeah, know? you've done it. You've conquered the world. Like, revel in that. And but even if that. you haven't conquered the world and you're still trying to get to that point, there's no reason to be a dickhead, you know? No. Simple, in my it? opinion, don't be a dick. Don't be a dick. Don't be a dick. It's simple. <laughs> um, okay, well, uh, let's wrap it up by discussing. We mentioned earlier on about this idea for a new podcast mm -hmm. for you. Yeah. And what I think we should do in a minute is go and sit down and brainstorm some ideas for this podcast because I think that there is a lot of potential there. Yeah. Is it something that you think is going to? interest you are you going to grab this ball by the horns and run with it yeah i think i will and i mean thanks to you because us sitting here prior and talking about stuff that inspired me to give this a shot you know but yeah i'm i'm definitely with you you know thanks for your help and it's inspiring me to even come up with this idea i think it's the I greatest thing you can do good. for your friend is to show them the way when perhaps they yeah. didn't really know what was going to happen next where they were going to go Exactly. Yeah. And you feel good I, about I, and it. And I do appreciate that a lot, Matt. I really do. You're very welcome. <laughs> You're very welcome. Well, that can be my return favor if the other guy comes through. Yeah. And then, you know then, what? I mean, then we've done a great thing for each other. We're just going to have to keep paying it forward, you know? Right. And become podcast buddies. Yeah, exactly. I'm excited about it. We'll see what happens with it. But I think, you know, hopefully within the next few weeks, I'll, uh, I'll have something at least. Maybe not on air yet, but recorded and ready to go. And then launch it. Launch that rocket yeah. to Mars. So we were going to talk about... Um... What do you want to talk? Oh, no, God, yeah, the most... <laughs> so this, anyone who listens to this podcast within the UK will know about one of the most iconic Reading Festival. Just legendary stories about Daphne and Celeste, who are like a cheesy pop duo. And it's interesting because now Reading Festival has gone a lot more pop and a lot more R&B and... But back in the day, it was completely rock. And if an artist, even 50 Cent played there mm -hmm. in the early noughties, and he was bottled as really? well. Yeah, people were absolutely livid that he was on the bill. But prior to that, Daphne and Celeste, I mean, the poor girls, they were booked to play. And <laughs> I wasn't there, um, but I've just heard the stories passed down. It's like a legendary tale that's done the rounds for many years. You were there. Actually, I was there. Not only at the festival on site, but you were yeah. like right on the stage, right? Or behind uh, the stage? Yeah, yeah. Behind the stage, backstage, or whatever the, the side thingy is, there, where people stand to watch the bands uh -huh. from behind. 
And um, yeah, it was crazy. They didn't last very long. Just uh, you said three songs. I think three songs, yeah. maybe less. Yeah, it was crazy. It was, the stage was just full of shoes, cans, like mainly, uh, I think, mud. Yeah. And who were you watching it with? Who were you watching this I, disaster unfold with? Well, I was there with the Slipknot guys, so maybe with one of them or right. one of the crew members. And and what did they make of it? Well, I mean, I'm sorry, but we were all kind of laughing because it was so crazy that, yeah. you know, these poor girls were... <laughs> and were they crying? I don't remember. I don't I've think heard, so. I've but... heard they were pretty distraught because yeah. I don't think they had any inclination as to what they were going out into. Yeah, and whoever booked them, I think, is responsible for Absolutely. the shit that they got. But like, because that is a misbooking and a half. Yeah, but who would put this pop duo in between a bunch of metal and rock bands on a main you know, stage? Major, yeah, main was that main, it was that main, was main stage. stage? Yeah, wow, that was crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I mean, I've never seen anything like it. You know, I was just like, wow. You know, I hope. If I ever played his main stage, they're not going to throw the mud at me because I'll throw it back. <laughs> There's no doubt about it. I will freak out. <laughs> What's the worst thing that's ever happened to you on stage? Have you ever had anything even remotely like that? Um, Obviously, I imagine it's part and parcel of gigs over the years to get the odd thing thrown up. But have you ever had any like real hairy situations where you thought, oh, this could go really bad? I've, you know, I've had one um, when we played um, at Harpo's in Detroit. It's a very high stage, like super high. And at one point, uh, some kid was trying to climb up on stage and did. And then one of the crew people threw the kid off. And when the kid was thrown off the stage, he grabbed me by the leg. And um, <laughs> I almost fell down with him into the pit. And it's, it's, I don't know how many feet it is, but it's really high, you know. And uh, so luckily I didn't go down. But it it was kind of like a struggle there for a minute to stay on stage. So that would be one of those things. You know, I didn't really have things thrown at me, maybe some beer at some point, you know. Um, and then, of course, you, you seem have... disappointed by that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, throw me money. I don't no know. No one loves me. I've never had any cans thrown at me. Money or okay. chocolate, you know, I'll be happy. But um... as long as it is definitely chocolate and not shit. Yeah, no way. No, and then you have the occasional guy that's, you know, trying to stick his tongue out and make sexual, you know, whatever. You get a lot of that, or did you used to get a lot of that back in the sort of more I, misogynistic 90s? I, You know what? I didn't get a lot of that. I got it a couple of times, and, um, you know, I usually always dared the guy to come on stage and just do it on stage Call in front of bluff. my face. Yeah, I was like, come up here, come and do it, you know, because, you know, I'll probably hit you over the head with my bass. I wouldn't fuck with you. I wouldn't either. <laughs> <laughs> and I actually now comes to mind, there's one time we had a little bit of an attack, okay. so to speak, on stage. And that must have been, I think it was in Kansas City. And what happened is we had uh, come through there on a prior tour and weren't able to play the show because the power was out or something or they had bad power. And I think by the promoter using that power, he blew up one of uh, Meigs's pedal boards. And, you know, the pedal boards for Meigs's sound is very important because I don't use anything. I go direct, like there's nothing on my bass, no pedals whatsoever. But, you know, Meigs has all those sounds and they're an intricate part of the cold chamber sound. So this guy blew out his entire you know, soundboard or whatever, pedal board, what he had. And so we didn't end up playing the show. 
And then the promoter went up on stage and talked a bunch of shit like this band sucks because they're not going to play the show. And <laughs> I think Meeks threw, threw you under the bus, basically. Yeah, and then I think Meeks threw the guy into the barricades. Amazing. <laughs> in front of everybody. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so we ended up not playing that show. The promoter's buddies ended up slashing the tires of our bus, and we were stuck there for the night and, uh, you know, looked like they were trying to beat us up or, or something like that. And we ended up getting a new bus and getting out of there. But so months down the road, we had to make up for that show. And we went there and uh, we played the show. And then some guy or a couple of guys came with the uh, fire extinguishers and uh, kind of blew those in our faces while we were playing. And the entire stage was, you know, just under fog and whatever not and we couldn't breathe so we had to like end the show <laughs> because they attacked us with fire extinguishers <laughs> it sounds so silly but you know and the fire department came they had to check us out and i'm not sure if we went back on stage or not but um yeah des wasn't breathing great i think <sighs> i don't know what a weird way to you know express your appreciation or yeah. opposite of I guess we still didn't play that show in Kansas City, and I, don't, I actually don't remember if we did it on the last run. I guess if it's still the same promoter, you probably ain't getting invited back either. Ah, uh, <laughs> I, I honestly, I kind of doubt it is because that was like twenty years ago, right. you know, like when that original thing happened. Those were the days. We spoke earlier on in the conversation about how danger's gone out of rock and roll now. I think it's obviously gone out of the live shows to a large extent as well because of. And it's maybe a good thing on the one hand because you perhaps don't have stuff like that happening as much anymore. But then I feel like with all the red tape there is now at venues and all the health and mm -hmm. safety rules, mm -hmm. the shows aren't as fun. Right. But I think that depends a lot on the bands as well, you know. Um, I think there's, you know, more security, but maybe sometimes not enough security still, you know, for shows. But go ahead. What were you saying? That was it, really. The, oh. <laughs> I, I think the danger has gone out of live music because so many people are filming the shows and trying to yeah. capture footage to put on Instagram. They're not in the moment. They're not moshing. They're not crowd surfing. They're mm -hmm. not tearing fucking yeah, I mean, chairs I still out see the some... floor and things off the wall. <laughs> <laughs> I still see some moshing and, and, you know, some attempted stage diving or mm -hmm. whatever. But in general, yeah, I, I do think people are way more on the phone and filming stuff instead of being in the moment and enjoying it. You know, good news is there's always somebody that will film it. So, you know, if you do want to freak out on stage or, I mean, off stage in the crowd, <laughs> go ahead because somebody's going to put it on YouTube anyway, you know. But, yeah, I think it's mainly the bands aren't dangerous anymore. You know, it's pretty... But then again, I don't know. I haven't seen many crazy bands lately, so maybe I'm just out of the loop. Casey needs to get back on stage, doesn't he? Yeah. Do, do you think he'd still go as, obviously maybe not as nuts, but do you think he'd still be... I think so. ...going pretty fucking wild? I don't think he can help himself. I, mean, I've, I haven't seen him live for, <laughs> God, I mean, it must be... I mean, I hope over, he still would, It's over you know? 10 years, but you would hope, right? Because he, yeah. he used to do this thing, I'll never forget it. He'd put out his arms like a kind of Jesus mm -hmm. Christ pose and then he'd just fall back mm -hmm. and obviously your natural reaction when you do that is to put your hands down to break your fall and to stop yourself getting hurt sure but he'd somehow overcome that like mm. what you call like knee-jerk reaction of the brain and he'd just collapse all mm -hmm. the way down like that and just fuck himself up 
mm. like mayhem. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like you'd stand like that and then just fall all the way down and just be like. Mm. Yeah, yeah. It's one of the craziest things I've ever seen. Just because I'm like, how do you train your brain to not break your fall? Yeah, I, I wouldn't do that. No. I'd be scared. <laughs> I'll leave that up to Casey. I don't know <laughs> if he's still going to do that. I'm seeing him on Wednesday, so I'll ask him. Oh, really? Yeah. That would be awesome. Nadia, thank you for joining me. Yeah, thank you. I look you. forward to the as yet untitled Nadia podcast and um, mm-hmm. good luck with it. Thank and, you. And definitely make it happen and, and get on it. And I think that a lot of great things will come out of it. It's going to be awesome. good. Okay. <laughs> Cheers. Bye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.